I'm Susan McEntee Brady. Welcome to the Better Understanding Podcast. Please join me in exploring what it means to lead inclusively. I'm so excited to welcome Kim Serta to our podcast today. Kim is the Chief Human Resources Officer and Organizational Change and Culture Practice Lead for Hudson Lake, a woman-owned business that provides consulting and creative services in strategic, crisis, and transformative workplace communications. Prior to joining Hudson Lake, Kim served as the Vice President of Human Resources and Operational Excellence at Toyota Financial Services, where she spent most of her career. A recognized leader in the field, Kim brings a strong understanding of human resources strategy and internal communications, including talent acquisition, culture and organizational design, HR technology, compensation, and employee engagement. Kim earned her Bachelor of Science degree in the Business Administration at Pepperdine University and her MBA at California State University, Long Beach. So I met Kim almost 10 years ago while doing leadership development work with Toyota Financial Services and can tell you that she is a true instigator of change and a champion for equity and leadership. While at Toyota, Kim passionately dedicated her time to helping every team member see and step into their full potential, especially advocating for women and other underrepresented populations. I watched her do it. Kim's superpowers include believing in others and making people feel heard, and also bravely talking about and taking on the hard stuff in organizational life. She walks her talk and can't not speak up. Kim wrote the foreword to my last book, Mastering Your Inner Critic and Seven Other High Hurdles to Advancement, How the Best Women Leaders Practice Self-Awareness to Change What Really Matters. In it, she shares a bit of her own self-management journey for the rest of us to learn from. She is a bright, shining light, and I am thrilled to have her with us. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on our Better Understanding podcast. Hi, and I'm so, so glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation, Susan. So I said a lot about you, and what would you also share to our listeners? What would you want them to know about you that I didn't cover? I am the mother of a 17-year-old son, my only child. I come from a family of almost all public educators. So from K-12, community college, university, my entire family essentially worked in public education. And I share that because that played a big role in shaping who I am. And then the last one is that I'm a Southern California native, which may sound like a bit of a superficial thing. It's also something that contributed to the way I see diversity, to how I spend my time, the things that I value. So I would say those are three things that are relevant to who I am. Recognizing all of those things, can you say a little bit about how, how did you come to be a champion for diversity, equity, and inclusion, sort of what fuels you about this work? I know it's part of the work you do, but it's always part of the work you do. So first of all, I think my background primed me for this a little bit. I am not only a, a woman, but I'm also Hispanic. And uh, my grandparents migrated here from Mexico. And then fast forward to very early in my career and I very quickly found purpose and that feeling of I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be in those moments when I was working either as a leader or in some capacity in human resources, 
helping people grow, stretching them, coaching them, even having tough conversations with them and seeing what was possible when people can be all in. That was, I was in my element. I also was very attuned to what was lost when voices, people, their talents were overlooked. So that's how I got here. What fuels me is knowing what's possible. And that's the simplest way that I can put it. That is the motivator for me. Knowing what's possible is sort of a space we both live in. And I still feel like there's a mystery around inclusion. Why do we need more inclusion at work? What's driving all the focus? You've been at this an awful long time. What are you seeing that's driving the focus for learning how to lead more inclusively? I think it's a couple of things. First and foremost, I think it's undisputed that what makes organizations great is how they are able to differentiate themselves, how they are able to step in to fill in the blank, right? Do something different and special. And that really the way that happens is through the strength and the contribution of their people. All of that I think is undisputed. What I think is really interesting though, is that it is still such a challenge to create a space where everyone is able and is fully contributing. And so this is a tough one for me because we are talking about people here. And what I just shared with you earlier, I mean, could not be more kind of central to the way that I see organizations. I see faces, I see experiences, I see people. And when we work as hard as we do and make the financial energy mindshare investment in bringing people in, making sure we have the best and brightest, trying to get the best people. And then for whatever reason, that investment, that energy is not fully seen through to ensure that the best of that investment is at the table and contributing. And so, Susan, with any other investment, you don't see big portions of it being left on the table, right? But for whatever reason with our people, there is this challenge in creating the space where everyone is able to fully contribute. So there's a recognition of it, but it's the translation of that from the words to actually doing the things that bring it to fruition, that make it a reality. Without saying, you know, making the most out of your talent investment, that's essentially what you said, but you brought the human being back in it. We have a collection of humans who are unique. And the reason why inclusion is so important is to make sure that all those folks show up fully. And you and I have talked about this a lot. What's driving still this challenge of essentially maximizing the opportunity of the investment of our people? What would you point to? What I see most often and what I've been guilty of. So a big part of leading inclusively is being willing to hold up the mirror and look at where your blind spots are. And I I even hesitate to use the word bias because bias is the right word. It just feels so overused right now. So holding up the mirror and saying, what did I miss? Where was I quick to make a judgment? 
look, everything is moving at a frantic pace in any organization. So as a leader, I need to get something done. I need to make sure it's done well, right? I'm going to go to the go-to person, kind of the default or the easy answer, because engaging people that aren't the natural choice or creating space for someone to stretch and put their voice into the conversation or contribute their talents sometimes means it's going to take a little longer or I'm going to have to pause or it's not necessarily going to be the easier path. Now that ultimately pays off in huge ways. It also requires a discipline. We talk about courage when we talk about inclusive leadership and courage isn't just about speaking truth to power or having the tough conversations, which is a big part of it. Courage is also about, as a leader, I'm going to be brave enough to tap someone whose potential I see, who I believe in, who may not be the logical, natural, easy choice to step into a project or bring something different to the table. I'm gonna walk what I talk. And that means it may take a little longer I'm going to have to be willing to provide the cover if it doesn't go well. I need to be willing to put some of my political capital on the line. And so I think the challenge is really twofold, which is it sounds good when we talk about it and we can nod our heads when the rubber meets the road and it actually means doing it. There are risks involved. There is There needs to be a willingness to move a little more slowly. Again, there's a payoff ultimately, but there are trade-offs that sometimes have to be made that in my experience have been well worth it. It's just in that moment that is sometimes for a leader, a tough call to make. I know some of the work that you did and that you've done in your career. Can you share a story about when you have felt you have fostered inclusion So the best example that I can give, and Susan, you and I worked on this together um, when we worked together at Toyota, I advocated for and really pushed our organization to put in place a formal sponsorship program for our female leaders. And there are a few things that I would say were important takeaways. We could spend a whole podcast just on that experience. One is, while I was responsible for making sure this thing got executed and actually happened, my CEO, our CEO, our executive leadership team were also willing to step in and take some risk to make that happen. And so having that CEO and most senior leadership willingness, maybe not even completely bought in, but willingness to step into it and try it were really critical. In putting that program in place, there were a few things that we learned. One is being deliberate about giving visibility to underrepresented groups is absolutely essential. People need to be seen and have that platform to show what they can do, especially if you're in a really large organization. That visibility, both for others to see some of our best talent and see what they were capable of, also 
for those female leaders to have insight into how things worked and be able to see kind of inside baseball, what, what it meant to lead at the most senior levels. So when we talk about understanding, it was a two-way understanding and creating a place for that was critical. The last thing that was a huge takeaway, and especially when we talk about understanding, is that one of the biggest hurdles or concerns or objections to really going down the road of putting a formal sponsorship program in place is, are you going to create a sense of entitlement that by putting them in this program, it somehow is a guarantee that there will be a promotion or some specific thing that comes out of it. That was the worry. What I saw happen was that simply by virtue of making that investment, you had leaders and people who were already going above and beyond feel a sense of motivation and responsibility to give and contribute even more. Instead of a sense of entitlement coming from this opportunity, what it in fact did was motivate them to contribute and give more to the organization. That was an eye-opening experience for those who had hesitation and concern. Oh my gosh. You know, even just doing some leadership development or bringing women together with other women en masse, which I know you've done, it's like bringing water to the desert. They don't know how thirsty they've been. The women who were part of the work that you did were so grateful for the opportunity that they would probably stop at nothing to ensure their worthiness of it. That wasn't just a phenomenon at Toyota. That's been true everywhere I've gone, everywhere I've worked. It shows how much it's needed to just be seen and be deliberate. Such important work. Did others do this for you? When, when I think about the trajectory of your career and you think about being included, do you have a story you can share with our listeners about a moment that was big for you in your professional journey? Oh my gosh. This is one of the things that I think most of your listeners, if not all of them would agree with, which is as you progress on your own journey, you look back and there are points of time where it's crystal clear that you would not be where you are without that. Sometimes it's groups, sometimes it's individual. It's sometimes someone completely unexpected. So here is the one that comes to mind immediately. And there are so many more. When Toyota made the decision to relocate from California to Texas, and then also from Kentucky to Texas, it was a huge move. I had very recently stepped into the role leading human resources. I I had been in the job a month and there was a decision that was made about who is going to basically represent and lead this effort as it related to the people in our division. Now, there was a role that I would have played as the leader of human resources that would have happened no matter what. There was a lead role that was really helping to coordinate the execution of this move as it related to all of the people matters. And our CEO at the time looked at me and said, Kim, you are the person that we need to lead this. 
what that did for my confidence, the fact that not only was I trusted, but I was given an opportunity to do something that, look, I had worked at Toyota my whole career. I had lived in Southern California my entire life. This was not only a change that impacted our company, it was a change that impacted me personally. And the fact that there was no hesitation, that we trust you to represent the people in this company when decisions are being made that are going to not only affect their work, but affect their lives. It is about empowering and trusting others, understanding their capabilities, sometimes believing in them when they don't know whether or not they can do it and seeing them in a way that you put them there and then they rise to the occasion. You put them there with support, you provide the safety net, you do all of those things. For me, that's inclusive leadership. It's, it's knowing what you've got, then putting people in the positions to actually not only show others, but most importantly, show themselves what they are able to step into and step up to. When we think about cultivating the role of understanding and cultivating inclusive leadership, what I heard you say is it's really about seeing people and then giving them opportunity. For the listener who genuinely wants to understand why understanding is important, I think you covered it, but what else would you say? Gosh, we're in a, we're in a nation divided and we're in a world in conflict and we're, we share a global health crisis. And yet I feel like there's less understanding today and more judgment, right, wrong thinking. And part of the reason why I launched this podcast and named it the Better Understanding Podcast is because I thought, wow, well, you can't have inclusion without better understanding. And yet, what else is important about better understanding from your point of view? I will talk about it in the context of leadership. Leadership is personal. And I don't mean crossing boundaries. I don't mean doing things that you're not comfortable with. At the end of the day, stripping everything else out, leadership is personal. It is about personalizing and it is about knowing what you have, what you're surrounded with, what problems you need to solve, what you need to bring to bear to solve those problems, who you need to do it with. We don't do any of this alone. Whether it's leading with others, whether it's leading others, whether it's leading your leaders, it always comes down to personalizing. There is no cookie cutter. There is no formula. So it goes back to this, these are people. So it's important if you want to move things forward, if you want to solve the problems, if you want to achieve the goals of the organization or, or your own goals or the team's goals. It's personal and you don't create the connections. You don't get to the solutions and the better days without it. I've thought so much about this over the last year. So much of this right now is a conversation about right and wrong, about which side you are on. And I have personally struggled with that. I've struggled with that in professional settings. I've struggled with that in my personal life. 
that has been a challenge. And there are two things that I have tried to keep top of mind that is just my experience in approaching what is a really difficult time. One is, this is a practice. It's like yoga. This won't resonate for everyone. It's the best analogy that I can use, which is yoga is a practice. So you can do the same 26 poses. You do them all perfectly. You can do the same 26 poses and you're horrible at all of them. So it is about the evolution, about the practice. And the only way you get better is practice. That's one. So I give myself a little bit of a break. Number two is when I feel like judging, like they're wrong and I'm right, that is my trigger to say to myself, what question can I ask? And I ask a question. The only way that I could answer the question, which is what am I doing to try to get to a better place with it? It's practicing and it's getting curious. The concept of practicing gives us a little bit of a hall pass at striving for perfection. Just yesterday, I showed up in a conversation with some colleagues that I felt really bad about to, sh to show up today, have a conversation with the same group of people and own that I am also trying my hardest to stay in understanding, to walk my talk. I think the ease of if you feel yourself be critical, if you think a critical thought, that would be a, a great time to ask a question. It also is a great time to practice some compassion for yourself or the other person. And that is hard, especially if you're frustrated. I just know that those of us who are passionate and enthusiastic and on purpose tend to have a lot of emotion. And I know, switching to you, that you, you've stood up to a lot and had to sort of really make a case. I don't know if you would agree, but I feel like you have a legacy in your career as being a truth teller, you know, saying the hard stuff. I said that in your intro. What have you learned about yourself? I mean, I'm doing the best I can. And just yesterday I got triggered and I wasn't in curiosity and I probably wasn't inclusive as a result. Tell me a little bit about sort of what you've learned about yourself as you navigate, you know, how do you bounce back when you do find yourself in judgment or when you've truth told and maybe it didn't land as you intended? One glaringly big takeaway in this whole experience for me, when I am in a situation and I feel compelled to put something on the table that's sensitive or to be that truth teller, it is emotional for me. And I made many, many, many mistakes in allowing that emotion and that conviction to manifest in a way that did not do anything to get me closer to what I was trying to get. And my mantra that I still have to tell myself is, meet people where they are, not where you want them to be. And this is not in any way intended to come across that I know better and they're just not there yet. I, I may not know better. And understanding where people are and meeting them there, then figuring out it is the definition of understanding so instead of coming to the table, I know best, and I'm going to put this on the table and something needs to change. 
it is about, I'm going to meet people where they are instead of not only where I want them to be, but where I think they should be. I don't always know. And so that has really been my mantra with the other part of it being, Kim, lead with the outcome that you think moves everyone forward. Like what is the purpose of even going into this conversation? It's not to make someone else wrong. It's not to be right. Sometimes it's to highlight a gap or a deficiency. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just, this is not working the way that we all say that it's supposed to work. When the words aren't matching what what is happening in real life. And so objectively articulate what the gap is. Here's what we say we want. My job is to represent sometimes others that aren't comfortable or can't or don't want to, what their experience is. And we collectively have a gap to close. So it is a different way that I had to learn from some conversations that really backfired. And not only didn't get me where I wanted to go, also had a negative impact on my brand. Those have been the lessons that I I still practice because some of this stuff feels, it's at the core personal to me. And when I get that feeling that's deep, deep, deep down, that is my flag that I've got to take a deep breath and step back and really think about what is it that I'm trying to accomplish and what is the way to put it on the table and then be part of the solution. Meeting people where they are, not where you want them to be. As I think about that gem of wisdom, I think, oh, that's so hard. And yet I can see my way through that for sure. What you say about leading with the outcome that moves everyone forward and seeing the work of leading inclusively, no matter if you're a formal positional leader or not, None of that feels too risky. Why is creating equity and inclusion threatening or scary to some? And what can we do about it? This goes back to what we talked about a little bit earlier. Part of it is the power structure. Inclusive leadership and inclusion is really about action. Yes, it's mindset. And yes, it's what you say. At the end of the day, are you actively championing? Are you taking the risks that are necessary? Do people see talking to hundreds of employees over many years? I still think it is underestimated how symbolic, who is in leadership positions, who is getting promoted, who is getting spotlighted and highlighted and recognized. How do those people lead? People need to see themselves there. I would take it a step further and say, When you watch a certain profile of person get promoted and rewarded and spotlighted, there is this assumption that that is what's going to work here. Mm. I used to ask people all the time, so why don't you feel comfortable speaking up? I don't remember ever seeing someone get fired for for, for speaking up. So what is it? Yeah, you're not going to get fired, but you're not going to get tapped. You're not going to get that promotion. So there still is that perspective that 
it really isn't safe and I, it's better to be quiet because I see what gets rewarded. Celebrating, promoting, putting in positions, that inclusion, those things do matter. They matter on teams, not necessarily the CEO of the company, but within your given team, the team that you lead, the people that you tap, right? Are they reflecting? So it is that action and that reflection and that seeing it in real life, and then it becomes less scary. That was really helpful. So what do you wish to leave people with? What actions do you suggest our listeners take to continue their own journey of understanding about inclusion? If there's one thing, it would be, be willing to hold up the mirror. Kim, I am so, so grateful you were with us and I'm so excited to share all of this wisdom with our listeners. Thank you so much. I know you and I daily hold the mirror up. It, it's sometimes not easy, but it's worth it. Thank you. Thanks. At the core, leading inclusively starts with a desire to understand. So we hope the Better Understanding podcast sparks something for you that leaves you wanting more. Thank you everybody for joining.